Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 94 and a half uh, version here, because 90 episode 94, which is on the way, was a NASCAR roundtable with uh, your hosts here on this show, and we had a couple of special guests, so um, if you've listened to that, you already know. If not, uh, myself, Josh, and uh, Clayton Caldwell of uh, Talking in Circles fame and Frontstretch.com, and then Phil Spain. Uh, I got rid of the paper that a uh, pitboxpress.com. There you go. I remembered. Yep. And uh, social media influencer uh, were our guests, and we had a very spirited and lively discussion on multiple topics in regards to 2021 NASCAR Cup Series season uh, and some 2022 topics, which, to be fair, we'll go in get into briefly here on uh, this episode uh, before we talk about uh, Xfinity trucks in the next episode, episode 95 and whatever else comes to mind. Uh, Tonight's episode will be the roundup. You know, we always have to have the roundup. So we'll lead with that. Uh, There's been some news in the lower formulas for formula one and uh Formula 2, Formula 3. There's been uh, some other adjustments, changes there. We'll talk about IMSA. There's been some news in regards to the Penske Porsche program running their initial test. The Chili Bowl Midget Nationals has been going on this week. has been a Keith Coons Motorsports benefit in regards to the A features so far and who's qualified to make the A feature uh, on Saturday night to possibly beat Kyle Larson, uh, stop him from winning three straight races. The Dakar rally is officially over as of earlier today. So um, we'll get into that briefly. And then the news of IndyCar, two big news items. We'll talk about the NFL in detail. With the playoffs, we'll talk about coaching and GM news. Josh is very invested in one particular uh, coach and hopefully GM move. Um, We'll get into uh, Josh's Sim segment in the show close. So uh, my name is Philip Matthew. And of course, uh, with me as always is my co-host, Josh Refine. What's going on, man? Yeah, doing good. You know, on camera, I think we both got blue shirts on. So somehow yeah. we managed to match. But, you know, um, yeah, we'll talk about everything that we didn't talk about with episode 94, and, you know, get into it, um, especially, you know, F1, some changes there. Um, you know, Andy Carr, the news with Robert Wickens and Connor Daly, you know, it's a good thing. And then we'll talk about the possibility of Byron Leftwich uh, getting a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, for the second time as a coach, possibly. We'll see what happens. He was their number one pick many years ago as a quarterback out of Marshall, and he played for them for a few years. I'm I'm trying to remember who, if, who the coaches were back then, but um, you probably know better than I do, Josh. Um, but it would be interesting to see that. I mean, now there's only one African-American head coach. Yeah, currently. Uh, currently. So yeah. the hope would be that that would actually probably go up to maybe four by the end of this cycle, maybe five or six even. But I would think just getting to one-eighth, 11%, which is still not great, 
Um, you know, I think the the combination of coaches and GM hires might skew at least turn that number around in a positive manner. Even though a bunch of white people are team owners, but you know that's beside the point, I guess. Um, we'll talk about all that. Um, I don't sound too great. Uh, I guess the vid is is still exists after a couple of weeks of fighting it, and then I was good for a couple of days, and then I don't know. Probably the bowling alley happened again, and people I'm around. But hopefully, I'll be all right. Um, you know, you drink enough stuff, maybe you'll be okay. So that's what my my goal is. Let's start <laughs> with um. Let's start with Formula One, man. Uh, I there's, I mean, Formula One itself. You know, docs of the Aston Martin team actually made uh, an announcement. They are um, Otmar Safnau, or whatever, who's a whining bitch uh, and just generally useless. Uh, went and left to probably go to Alpine's Formula One team. And then they got former BMW motorsport boss, Mike Crack, which is just a great name um, for so many reasons, uh, is going to be their um, new team principal to uh, take the Stroll F1 team, uh, hopefully to the next level. They're playing, uh, Lauren Stroll said in, I guess, multiple articles. You have Adam Cooper's article on motorsport. You have um, Chris Medlin's article on racer.com trying to get from year two of their five-year plan. So in their mind, by 2025, um, they're looking to be in world championship contention, of course. By that point, Sebastian Vettel will be out of uh, Formula One. So Lewis Hamilton. Um, so they're probably looking at somebody to get in that one seat to be with uh, Lance. But that's big. You know, Otmar Safnau likely is going to move over to uh, the Alpine team that was rumored a few months ago. And there's been moves, uh, changes within their team structure uh, to where that position basically is open now. So that'll be something. Uh, Aston Martin also announced their, they're the first team that's announced their car reveal um, for 2022. Uh, of course, we'll see where the rest of the teams come up at that. Uh, trying to go and see what else. Yeah, the Formula 2 and Formula 3, there's been some moves. Red Bull driver development group uh, have their teams announced. Red Bull, uh, the F3 champion, Dennis Hauger, will uh, will combine with uh, Jahan Zaruvala from uh, India to drive for Prema. Prema's been uh, home of many of the recent champions in F2 and F3. So... Of course, Hogger um, won F3. Uh, you know, Logan Sargent ran for the uh, Prima team and almost won the championship. Daruvala leaves Carlin. Jack Crawford will move to the Prima F3 team. Um, and then they'll he'll join 
Artur Leclerc, and then rookie Ali Bierman. And then you have Yuri Vips, Liam Lawson, and Ayumu Iwasa, the Japanese Honda supported driver. Vips uh, is going to stay with high tech. Lawson moves from Carlin to high tech. So two full teams will have Red Bull drivers. Jack Dewin is out, it looks like, for from the Red Bull uh, camp, which seems kind of weird since he uh, finished second last year and, uh, in F3. But that'll be uh, interesting. So more or less all their drivers, uh, Trident, Prema, and Carlin will uh, house their drivers next uh, or this year. I say next year, this year. Um, other than that, I mean, we're we've had news stories. Formula One. You're talking about, you know, some of the articles about the new car. What to think? Who's going to be around? George Russell on Formula One. Uh, com said that he feels like there's going to be. It's really going to be a driver development, or not driver, but it'll be a development fight amongst five teams for this year compared to what it has been, which has been one or two. But what do you think, Josh? Do you really think that, I mean, you can, whatever you, what do you think about the Aston Martin move and the likely Alpine move first with those team principals? They announced there's also the other aspect I I don't want to, I should we should mention that that they're doing a investigation. Uh, they announced that they're doing an investigation on how the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix was handled, which and it's only going to be the findings and results are only going to come like two days before the Grand Prix of Bahrain, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Two days before the start of the season, basically the yeah. first race. Actually, they'll have already been there, and they'll probably be doing first practice one or free practice one, and everything. And they make that announcement. So, it's a, um, I mean, I guess it's good that we're going to hear from it. But I mean, you would have liked to get a quicker analysis uh, for it. You know, like right now would be a, a good time, um, or even you know a month from now. Um, you know, still a month from the season, at least before preseason testing, I guess um, you'd yeah. like to hear more from it. But I mean, that's that's what it is, I guess. And we'll just have to wait and see uh, what the, uh, the verdict is and everything. And um, I don't think it changes really decisions, you know, for Lewis. Um, of course, there's, you know, re the retirement rumors and everything. And um, if he comes back, I mean, I think I think he will. I think he wants to race in this new car and then, you know, getting getting uh the shaft like he did, I guess, uh, in a way, um, with the way that this ended, I'm sure he wants to go out and prove it again, um, and come back with an even bigger vengeance, um, or well, not vengeance, but of course, you know, um, just come back, uh, bigger than what he did in 2021. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. Um, you know, and then of course the, uh, team principal changes, you know, Aston Martin swapped out their team principal, um, Otmer, Otmar, um, Sap now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sap now leaving Mike crack leaving or joining the team. Um, we'll see if that's a positive change. Um, of course, uh, I mean, been, I guess, Otmar Sapner had been there for a while and, um, at least for 
their time is at Aston Martin. Now we got this new guy and we'll see if it makes a change and if it affects their pace and if, you know, they're able to be a better contender, of course, when they were, um, you know, when they were, uh, pink, pink Mercedes, uh, force India, um, you know, they seem to have good pace and everything, but you know, they, um, had a couple of chances, you know, they had one win with Sergio Perez in his final, uh, season with them. Um, but then they kind of, I guess, fell off even with the addition of Sebastian Vettel, a uh, veteran of course. And we question his commitment to the series and, you know, how, how well he wants to actually do, but, um, we'll see if that's a positive change. And then of course, Alpine, uh, they changed their, uh, director, Marcin Bukowski, uh, immediately and been there since 2017 and worked with Ferrari and McLaren and everything. And then, uh, worked also with the governing body, um, I mean, even though they won a race last year, it seemed like they were one of those teams that um, could always like find themselves to get somewhere into the points with either uh, uh, Esteban Ocon, of course, getting their one win. And Fernando Alonso, of course, got that fourth at that same race uh, at Hungary. And then later on in the year, uh, got a, a podium for the first time since 2014. Um, even with all those positives, they still would like to improve as a team or make a change and um they can replace this guy. So it's, um, it's going to be an interesting change there too. And of course, does this help Alonso? Of course, he's also going to be coming back from his own surgery and, uh, we'll see if that, how that affects him, his recovery going into the season, if, you know, affects his track time, especially with testing coming up and all that. So, um, uh, it'd be interesting to see if they're able to, uh, you know, have more contention, I guess, if they can compete on the pace that, um, Alpha Tori can compete and even maybe up into the uh, ranks of like McLaren and Ferrari, that would be interesting change uh, there if that's able to happen. And then um, yeah, I think, you know, I think there was an article about uh, Nico Hulkenberg. He was testing the 2022 car and he uh, still has concerns about the pass, uh, the ability to pass in, in the car. That's going to be interesting to see if they can really follow each other or if it's only going to be, make a, a marginal difference at the end of the day. You know, once teams figure stuff out, you know, and say put in their own setup and they engineer the cars, um, is it going to change from the initial um, data and, you know, technical stuff that they did to, you know, design the car and everything? You know, it was supposed to be a, a car that passes well or at least, you know, has the ability to increase passing, especially with a lower downforce and, uh, using, you know, uh, the same type of, uh, aerody aerodynamics that, uh, ground effects are. So, you know, that's a, uh, interesting, uh, take on that. And, you know, if, if they're able to pass, I think more frequently throughout the field and, you know, if the battle for the lead is a little bit closer at, you know, some of these races, especially, uh, some of these street course races that there really aren't a lot of passing at, you know, especially like Australia, um, even, um, you know, even, you know, places like, uh, Baku, uh, even that's a, a fast racetrack. I mean, the lower downforce is going to increase the speed and then, you know, you're going to have to really send it into the corner to make a pass there. So that's going to be interesting, but I, I mean, I think it's still early on, of course, in the off season, you still haven't gotten to testing yet. And, you know, we're not really going to see any, any indication of what uh, the car is going to handle or race like, you know, until we see it in practice form. Yeah. We don't really know what anybody has at the moment. We won't, we could, you could make a case of we really won't know what anybody truly has until FP one at Bahrain. But there's, it's not the, whatever they start with at the first test, 
there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of development within their cap, everyone, the cost cap, to go and try to get better because it's an opportunity year. And it might be the first opportunity since 2014 for a lot of teams to really put themselves up there and really make a make case to compete. For McLaren and Ferrari, of course, they want to get back up there. For Mercedes, they want to maintain or you know improve, even though they won another constructors' title. You have new driver and George Russell there. You have certain teams that are that have made driver changes. Of course, Alfa Romeo has two new drivers. You have you have Botas and uh, Guan Yuzhou. Williams will welcome back. Albon because they'll get the Red Bull money. Red Bull now controls the Honda power plant and uh, they're going to have the same groups there. Um, outside of that, I'm trying to think, is there any other drivers? But they, you will, we'll see a testing, I guess. I mean, but there's a lot, there will be sandbagging too um, from some of the teams, but I do, I just have a feeling that Ferrari and McLaren are going to do all right in the test. Will that actually mean they're back for sure? Guess we'll find out in a couple months time. Uh, let us get into IMSA. I mean, I talked about the Porsche thing, you know, 2023 LM, uh, DH or whatever the heck they want to call it, um, whatever the hell they call it. I'm just, I mix myself up half yeah, the it's time. LMDH, LMDH, yeah, Le Mans so, Daytona Hybrid. Yeah, yeah. So they'll, it'll, they didn't test the car with the spec hybrid system, but in essence, the car and power unit and is what they're going to be working with. And, uh, they had, uh, Fred Makowicki driving the car. It looks very clean. It they're, they they uh, so styled it based on the old nine five six. It's it's which was one of the greatest sports prototype sports cars or sports cars ever. Uh, so that'll be a good selling point for people that are looking at it as a customer entry in the IMSA series and in WEC. Um, now it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Of course, uh, Dane Cameron and Felipe Nazar will be running the LMP in the LMP2 category this coming year in the WEC as prep for the um, program here in the United States. I would figure that those two guys and Dane Cameron would be the lead dog here in the U.S. Felipe Nazar would be the lead dog in the World Endurance Championship. Uh, cars, because I don't know if they're going to be that. I think it's very logistically virtually impossible to have um, the drivers go and do all the. I mean, you'll probably do Lamar. It'll do a couple other ones that they'll cross over. You're not going to do 10 hours in a WEC car and then go and like a day or two later, go and do 12 hours in at Sebring. I think that's a bit extreme, but uh, 
you know, there's there's different uh, things that come from the uh, bad test, but it's only the first test. There's not, we haven't um, seen everything yet. I mean, it's only the just the tip of the iceberg with that. And there's going to be more cars testing, more opera because it's, I'm, I mean, the fact is, Josh, I, I don't know. I think this year is a great year to watch IMSA because there's so much transfer, like come so many things transferring over, so many GT3 cars that are out there. So the variety of GT3 cars uh, for the GT Daytona category, both in pro and am, is very unique and cool. Uh, new cars like the M4 uh, BMW coming in. Um, they're going to have, you know, Fortet. Yeah. So, I mean, just as a, what, a few days ago, you know, they announced uh, Connor D. Filippi, John Edwards, Augusto Farfis, and Jesse Crone in the number 25, the number 24, Carla Philippang, Sheldon Vanderlinda, Marco Vittman, and Nick Yelloy. Yelloy? That's a new guy. Um, Oh, and that was like three days ago and the greatest name ever because you can get yourself really Michael. I'm going to say it this way because Josh said it and I heard it and I heard it in a way that's fucked up. So I'm going to say Michael Crack. Um, he was part of the announcement and they quoted him in the article three days ago on, on Racer and they were talking about this new lineup the the 24 hours of daytona is going to have 61 cars and which is insane to think i mean back you know going back in the day even back when prior to josh being around and i was just a little kid you know they used to have 70 plus cars you know in the high 70s early like low 80s in regards to car count, but of course three quarters of them would be broken down by Sunday, sun, uh, sunrise or whatever. And you just have the walking wounded and then the cars are actually competing for the win. That was a different time. Um, rules were a little more open back then, but to have 61 cars amongst five classes, excuse me, is really, really huge. I mean, there's only Acura and Cadillac in the DPI category. Um, five caddies versus two Hondas. Acuras, I mean. LMP2 as uh, all Oracas. Orica, Orica 07s amongst the eight teams. Then you have uh, then you have LMP3. You have GTD Pro, 13 cars out of there, and then GTD, uh, which is the basically the the meat of the whole entire deal. I mean, I'm just looking at. We'll we'll go over this more in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, this is just the list for the Roar for the week before the Rolex. So that's uh, next week. Um, there will be qualifying for pole and certain i guess pit position and whatever other stuff which will be interesting 
We will definitely get into it more in um, the week before the Rolex. We'll give results, of course, uh, of this in regards to qualifying and all that and uh, talk about it. Then, I mean, the, I think the great thing is the amount of um, GTD Pro cars that are out there and the, the level of... Uh, the level of town. Oh, look at that. I didn't even know the freaking Gumby is driving in a yeah. GTD bro in GTD bro car. Look at that. Yeah. For proton USA, uh, and driving Mercedes AMG to GT three. Uh, so, uh, that's a going to be interesting lineup there. I mean, and you also, you can talk about just the amount of cars in GTD pro. Cause normally this is the class that um, I mean, you can always count on the two Corvettes and BMW uh, with, you know, Rahal Letterman, Letterman Lanigan. But I mean, otherwise, it's kind of always been a, a thinner class, you know, especially yep. with, um, you know, this class. It's, it's been thinner, but now that we have more entries, it's going to be hopefully a, a more competitive race, uh, especially in this class. Yeah. I mean, this is going to, I mean, the Corvettes, I'm not sure how how uh, competitive they'll really be. Uh, they had to BOP their C8R, uh, so I don't know. I mean, they'll be competitive. It's Chevy. Uh, the, it's the Francis and Chevy are in bed together anyway. Um, what are the star drivers? I'm trying to understand that. Um, I guess, are they full season? Oh, the, the actress means that it's indicating a driver has been designated for the qualifying race. So, oh, okay. Good. So good call, good call on that. Yeah. Jordan um, Taylor and Samuel Garcia qualifying for Corvette racing. You know, maybe Jordan Taylor can find some time between his, uh, shorts that he's doing for junior motorsports and oh, yeah. qualify the car. Yeah. That's, I mean, he is a great he's an interesting human. I, he has, I mean, he, he, he's like a number one Jeff Gordon fan with the Rodney Sandstorm stuff. And now he's doing junior stuff. So I don't get how he hasn't gotten in an NASCAR Xfinity car yet, but I guess that might be coming next. Uh, because if he's doing all these bits for a uh, June bug, uh, yeah, I mean, you got, that's a solid group there. I mean, Kyle Kirkwood's a silver. That's that's kind of funny. Um, but other than that, I'm like I'm looking at everybody else like platinum or gold. Um, I'm, there's only one other silver or two other silvers. Are you, of course, Cooper McNeil being one of them in the Porsche, and then he'll be running a Mercedes as well. He'll be in two cars, just like then. Uh, um, Trying to remember his name and 52 Ben Keating is going to be running in two cars during the actual Rolex. So that'll be something. Uh, yeah, the LMP3, some brand or regular guys there. Um, then, but 22 entries out of the 61 will be out of the GTD category. And, um, Nice variety of cars there. Um, Astons, BMWs, Mercedes, Lambos, McLarens, Acuras, 
Porsche and um, Ferrari too. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get into it more in a couple weeks time, get a little bit more details, of course, with the qualifying races and how that determines everything. Uh, Want to watch it on msa.com. I'm pretty sure it'll be out there. And yeah, that's it for the IMSA side. Uh, the Chili Bowl, get into that here. Uh, it's been, as I said earlier in the open, the Chili Bowl has been a Keith Coons uh, benefit this week in regards to the feature winners. And to be fair, when you consider your um, making, you're able to bring the kind of talent that you're bringing to the table every year. Um, it's hard to not pick a Keith Coons car unless you're Kyle Larson. Uh, but so far this week, Christopher Bell returning back to uh, Keith Coons Motorsports. He won on Thursday night. Rico Abreu, my spirit person, won another Wednesday night. Buddy Kofoid, the the USAC midget champion, won and beat uh, Kyle Larson on Tuesday. And then Tanner Carrick won the... Um, one on Monday, so that so Keith Coons Motorsports so far has swept the Knights. I'm not sure in regards to what the uh, situation is for the um, the A feature right now. Um, of course, oh, oh, Richard has um, locked in for the pole for the A feature. And for now, so I think, you know, yeah, it's, he's the A feature. He has a, he has the pull. Um, so he has a really good shot to get his car into the show on Saturday night in the A main. You have other names that are familiar, at least on our side. I probably need to bring uh, Josh Bolden, JB on, and he could give us more info on some of these gentlemen. But No Neck is in the A for tonight, or at least in tonight's A feature with a chance to possibly advance to the top two and get into Saturday night's uh, A feature instead of having to go and run the soup. Candy Kane, who's going to be running full-time in the World of Outlaws in 2022, is also in the A feature, and then they have um, two B features that are coming along, but Keith Coons Motorsports versus Kyle Larson is basically what it is. Kyle Larson going for three in a row. Christopher Bell, who's a three-time winner, trying to um, join Kevin Swindell as a four-time winner of this race, and. Um, you know, Sammy Swindell got DQ'd on Thursday night to the point where he's going to be in an N main. The, the 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 qualifying on Saturday morning starts at 9.15 in the morning, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
in Tulsa time with Q features. Um, so the fact that Sammy Swindell, a five-time winner of the Chili Bowl, is basically not only having to run the soup, he's going to have to drink the soup, he's going to have to do any number of things with that effing soup to possibly backdoor his way into another A main in the Chili Bowl, which um, there was a point for many years that they were guaranteed the Swindell uh, family, both Sammy and Kevin, to get to the A, and that they had the best cars in the whole um, uh, whole center there, the uh, River Spirit or whatever the hell, the um, dome where they run this whole deal. But now I think not only Keith Coombs Motorsports, but other teams have come along. The Stenhouse, Glosson, Marshall team. You have uh, the old Chad, the boat, the Chad boat team. There's other efforts that have all kind of copied and taken their cues off of the Swindells. And, of course, Sammy Swindell is much older now, probably not as fast as he used to be. Um, and then, of course, with Kevin's uh, serious injuries, um, he's been out of the seat. Or he's now just an owner and kind of a tuner. And um, so they probably lost something there, too. But we will see what uh, uh, Slam and Sammy can do from basically the boondocks to get into the uh, Chili Bowl main event. I mentioned the Dakar rally uh, earlier, and that has, oh, wow, Root Beer Floathead uh, got a concussion uh, after a wreck at the Chili Bowl. Okay. They talk, they spoke to Dylan Welsh as well. Uh, the Joey Barnes, former guest here on the GSP, um, covering the race for racer.com. So um, good to see him there um, back where he belongs, really um, being out there on the, on the, at the races, going and covering them for a big media outlet. Uh, we will uh, talk about, what is it, Nasser Alatia, who's now um, won his fourth uh, Dakar rally and first in the Middle East, beat uh, multi-time world rally champion Sebastian Loeb, for that, and the SSV category saw American Austin Jones win by two minutes, 37 seconds, which when you consider the, the kind of rally, Dakar rally is to win it under, you know, like under three minutes is insane. So cool to see that. Um, Ricky Brabeck, former winner. Uh, the American on the Honda struggled this year, um, opened up the door for former winner Sam Sunderland to uh, win for the Gas Gas team, which um, Justin Barsho is riding for in the Supercross uh, category last year. And just as a aside, Ken Roxon won A1 uh, for the Honda team. So that'll be uh, 
uh, interesting if he can carry that momentum through the whole entire year. You know, there's other people. I don't even know who those are, quads and trucks and all that, so that's fine. Uh, the Get rid of that. And get rid of that. So we'll get into IndyCar. Uh, the people ready force for good challenge, which uh, states that if you can win the first person to win an oval road course and street course event, will win uh, one once a season. We will share 500000 with a team and donate 500000 to that driver and team's chosen charity. So it'll be a million bucks. Um, you win the road course when it's a six inch. Okay. Uh, so it's like, it's been likely the Pruitt says that um, it happened for six years prior to last year. Penske's one drivers won all three times in season, four times in five years. Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, people raise a 10,000 winner of EV. Oh, so they'll get $5,000 for winning. You'll get $5,000 from people ready to win a race, and then you have $5,000 to donate. So that's pretty cool, Josh. Um, akin to like the Triple Crown. Kind of has a Winston Million feel to it. More, maybe more Noble Five aspect yeah. than Winston Million. Um, but it's incentive when you consider how little these teams are able to make uh, through the purses because of the uh, whatever they call the entry point entry. Uh, I think the, whatever, like they had. Uh, it's like a charter in, in, in NASCAR gets you whatever. It's different in, in entrant points or entrant. Yeah, they have the more, season-long points fund or yeah. whatever it is. And they yeah. fund. That's what funds a lot of these teams, too. They basically run on that guaranteed money uh, to get through. So it's a welcome change. It's a sponsor that Takuma Sato had at the Indy 500 last year, trying to win his third. Um so that or yeah i think so and the other two pieces of news um we had connor daly get announced as the full-time driver of the 20 car in indycar the last full-time ride was um they put back they went back uh and went with a solid person that they have a lot of knowledge with somebody who's been running the road courses for the last few years and now Connor Daly will get his first full-time opportunity in IndyCar since he drove for Foyt, um, which is good news. Ed Carpenter will run Indy, of course, and probably the other two ovals, but we have to hear about the other two ovals from the owner of the team. But I think the one piece of news that matters the most to me and to a lot of motorsports fans is after what I think Pruitt said was nearly a thousand days out of the race car um, in a competitive setting. Robert Wickens will be back in a competitive uh, setting in a race car racing the Michelin pilot challenge for Brian Hurd Autosport and their Hyundai program, the Elantras, uh, which is with hand controls. And they're a team that has worked with uh, Michael Johnson, who is a, 
um, Armed Forces veteran who had a severe injury to his legs, and then he was able to get the um, artificial um, legs, and in turn he was able to put himself in a position to compete, and he's been a contender ever since that team. They joined that team, and that team's a powerhouse. Uh, Brian Hurd, of course, taking care of his son in IndyCar as the a strategist, but his actual team is thriving, that category thriving, and he's winning a lot. So the – I mean, you can go and kind of touch each one if you want, Josh, but – I mean, Robbie coming back is just amazing. Yeah, it's incredible to see him come back. Um, I mean, you know, we'd love to see him come back in the Indy car, but I mean, I think at this point, you know, it's likely not going to happen uh, in a competitive setting. You know, maybe we'll see him come back in a, in a test if they ever you know, figure out how to fit hand controls onto the current IR18 race car uh, for him to use and test at a racetrack. That'd be really incredible you know, if they're able to do that. Uh, but uh, still being able to get back into a, a GT class, get back in the IMSA race with Brian Herta Autosport. Um, it's uh, really incredible. He's been able to do this. You know, we've been following him um, since his accident. And of course, I, mean, I was already following him, but like when, when his accident happened, you know, it was a really terrible accident and, and probably what led to IndyCar quitting uh, Pocono, of course, um, and everything. But uh, it's a different discussion, everything. But you know, his recovery, everything he's had to go through, you know, from being in wheelchair uh, to where he is now. And, you know, he's not, you know, totally uh, functional as far as being able to walk like on his own, but you know, he's able to still, you know, relatively move around uh, when he can. And you know, he's been training hard at it, but now he's back into a race car. Uh, he's going to have hand controls and his co-driver, when he gets in, is going to have a chance to uh, turn off the switch for the hand controls, give back the uh, gas and brake pedal uh, and clutch. So that's a really interesting innovation, something that's already been done, and now they're going to do it for uh, Robert, Robert Wakens here. So just incredible comeback, of course, and you know, kind of fits, uh, I guess, being a former Schmidt-Peterson guy. Uh, you know, This happened to um, Sam Schmidt many years ago at Disney World in 2000. And you know, now he's able to, I mean, he's still paraplegic, but you know, there was a few years ago, he had that thing with aero electronics and getting in the Corvette that was fitted for him, uh, uh, that he could drive around. So, uh, that was a good innovation there too. Um, but it's a great positive news that he's back, uh, in a race car competitively that we can see. And, you know, hopefully he's able to have some kind of success in there and, you know, we love to see it, but Connor Daly, of course, that's a good good development too, uh, a good driver in the 20 car full-time and he'd been already in the car, you know, running ovals, some road courses as well. I mean, last year and the year before then was, uh, in, uh, Carlin on the road courses. And then, uh, in the, um, he was uh, an ECR's yeah, car. Yeah. In a ECR. road, yeah, you swapped yeah, him. yeah. Okay. So I saw him. Yeah. I saw him. So, oh yeah. Cause uh, that was Carver's car in the ovals, but yeah, Carlin in the ovals. And then, uh, ECR and the road courses. Now he's on one team full-time. So a lot of stability there and certainly gives him a shot to go uh, have a full-time effort that he can be around with, especially when it comes to the Indy 500 uh, was probably the best car last year. I mean, no, it depends a lot on the car, but you know, yeah. when you're around your guys constantly, that is a good thing for a driver like that, that's shown he can be competitive, especially on the oval tracks. So that's a uh, good news. And then you touch on the or touching on the uh, purse thing, uh, the points fund, or you know, to uh, 
donate a million dollars, 500,000 going to the, um, uh, I got the wrong tab up, but yeah, 500,000 going to the team and then to the driver and chosen charity. Uh, that's a good thing. And it's a different, uh, I guess, monetary challenge than what we've seen before, but at least it's going to something positive, something that, um, you know, you have to be bigger than yourself uh, to do. And certainly that you have to rise up to the challenge and be able to do. And I guess it's different than in the past, you know, we had the, the triple crown for Indy was always going to be the big super ovals and you had uh, Indianapolis. Um, I mean, back in the day it was Ontario and then Michigan Pocono. and Pocono. Yeah. And Ontario was part of it, I think too. Yeah. For a bit, yeah, yeah, originally, and then it turned into uh, Michigan uh, Auto Club in Indianapolis. Although I think that was more of on the cart side. Although they, I think they still did race a little bit uh, at at Auto California, but then it turned into California uh, Indy, and then uh, Pocono uh, until twenty. Yeah, a few years ago. Yeah, so they got the, rid of it all. Yeah, the more recent one they did was ACS or Indy ACS Pocono when they brought it back for a couple of years um, back in the day, like you said, Michigan Pocono and Indy were the triple crown. Cause they're the three 500 mile races. Um, so now, I mean, it's a road, it's, it's, it's a road course centric series. It always really has been. There was more oval availability back in the day, but when you look at SMI and ISC, or whatever they want to call themselves because they are combined in one company. They've kind of monopolized all the ovals where IndyCar is kind of stuck. Uh, Texas is a perfect example of that. Yep. Um, and when it comes to this uh, deal here, it makes, it gives value uh, to everybody, um, no matter what team you are especially if you're a competitive effort to want to go out there and try to win one of each. Um, I mean, Penske's the most likely first team to do that uh, with Joseph Newgarden, I would think. Um, outside of that, I'm not really sure. Uh, I would personally like to see Pat O'Ward do it because of my fandom, but there's a few guys. Do you have... Who do you think in regards to that, you know, bonus, who do you think is somebody that we should be looking at uh, maybe at Ganassi or Andretti? Well, I mean, the first person I think of right now is probably Alex Blow. Um, he had a lot of success last year, of course, and I'd like to see if it you know translates to uh, next year. Um, you know, start out at St. Petersburg. So right away, first chance to get a street course. And then you go to uh, Texas immediately after that. And then Long Beach and then Birmingham or at, uh, at uh, Barber Motorsports Baba. Park. So yeah, Baba is lead, if he likes to say, in Birmingham, Alabama. But right away, you have uh, three uh, those three tracks. So good opportunity. You know, if you get off the hot, hot start at uh, St. Petersburg, then all you got to do is just have a good car at each of the next uh, – you know, three or two of the next three races. So it's going to be interesting if uh, Pelot can do it, especially coming off the season title uh, from the year before that would show he's ready to defend his title. And it's not just a, a one-off or anything like that. And maybe Andretti, I mean, possibly Colton Herta, um, maybe Rossi could be 
in that as well, but that's more dependent on if, you know, Rossi comes out of the gate strong. If he comes out flat, you probably write him off, but I think uh, Colton Hurd is still pretty hot from last year. Uh, and, you know, you've talked about it before the uh, need to be more competitive uh, or, or consistently competitive for uh, Colton Hurd, especially on ovals, uh, something for him to focus on. So I'd like to see if he's able to uh, challenge up uh, for that uh, triple crown challenge, uh, something, something good that, uh, we hopefully continues on beyond this season. Yeah. And you can never count out Dixon. Um, he's won on all of them. He's won all of them a lot. So would that be a nice driving force for the guy to go after championship number seven, getting into that historic racing category of seven championships, um, which not only is in NASCAR and Formula One, uh, but IndyCar with AJ Foyt. So that might be a driving force there, um, as much as you know trying to go and get that elusive second Indy 500 win. So that's something we will see. I mean, and I wanted to go back to the whole Robbie situation and very candid to Marshall Pruitt in regards to where he is and his um, likely um, scenario, what his life is going to be. But at the same time, the fight and the determination he has shown to be nearly, um, you know, two, like three and a, uh, three years, three and a half years um, from a, a massive devastating um, severe life-changing injury to now be being able to race um, teammate is Mark Wilkins. Who's one of the best um, out there in regards to uh, his driving ability. And it's just like the Michael Johnson situation within that team. So they have a lot of experience. They have a lot. Of, so you have a guy who's super motivated, who wants it bad, knows he'll be, safe and be in a good car. And at the same time, he has a teammate that has been solid for many years and is able to go win. And it's going to be cool to see. Uh, Connor making it full-time is necessary, um, not just because he actually has a personality, but Ed Carpenter should have done that a long time ago. Uh, let us move on. To yeah, let's talk about playoffs. Playoffs. Um, we'll talk about playoffs. Um, the instance Indianapolis got fucked in the ass by your Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Trevor Lawrence looked like his old self. Um, must have let the hair uh, flow, uh, you know, and and just said, ah, screw it, I'll just go throw it all over the yard, and that's what he did. Um, dismissed the Indianapolis Colts in the one o'clock window which then started a a absolute crazy firestorm of events um buffalo ends up winning kind of it wasn't an easy win for them but they end up going and winning and in turn getting the division title while the new england patriots shit the bet against miami and what ended up being brian flores's last game which still boggles my mind. Um, it's insane. It tells you that the Miami Dolphins are a joke. But then I was around a Miami Dolphins fan, and she was happy about it. And I'm like, 
you're happy about it. When was the last time they had a good coach that actually took them to the playoffs? Like, was it? It's like, uh, why am I? I'm trying to remember the last. Oh, probably that um, Tony Sperano. Tony Sperano. Or, uh, but then I'm trying to remember. No, Adam. No, not Adam Gase. It may have been or. 2016, they made the playoffs. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wild card, um, and they had a chance. Like they were good early on in the season, and then Ryan Tannehill got hurt uh, towards the end of the year, and then um, that led Matt Moore to be the quarterback. Uh, and then they got throttled by the Steelers early on in the playoffs. They got, I think, Matt Moore got concussed or concussed in that one, uh, and then they had to play their third string backup the rest of the game. Well, that'll do it. Um, there was, so there was that you had, um, the Raider charger game that with like 30, 40 seconds ago was going to be a tie at going, going to overtime. And then the chargers inexplicably threw a timeout or called a timeout. Uh, uh, Brandon Staley did that. And then Derek Carr went and threw a ball or whatever and got them in a closer range to kick a field goal. They did that, eliminate the LA uh, chargers and in turn, get the Pittsburgh Steelers into the playoffs in a crazy cluster F kind of deal. Uh, Buffalo and New York or New England are going to play each other on Saturday night in a playoff game. The Bengals on their usual Saturday four thirty spot, until they finally win a playoff game uh, against the Raiders. Then you have the Buffalo-New England game on Saturday night football. Then you have Sunday with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Philadelphia Eagles after the Eagles struggled uh, last week when they or two weeks ago when they didn't even show up. You know, they didn't they they sent out the the B squad or whatever to go and play that game. Then you have but they were already in. New Orleans Saints won, but they needed help from the 49ers. And after the first half of that game, I figured they were gonna get that help. And um Jimmy Garoppolo actually came alive and looked like a professional quarterback. He made all kinds of crazy throws and was able to get he and everybody else on the Niner organization, get them back in the playoffs for first time uh, in a couple of years and second time in Kyle Shanahan's tenure. But uh, that was just heart-wrenching to watch. And I freaked out and uh, did... Uh, a, a re remake, I think, of my uh, Tony Stewart last win uh, rant and uh, gestures and all that, um, and then celebrated. And I went to the freaking V because I couldn't take it anymore. I was like breathe. I was like hyperventilating. I'm sitting there quiet. It was it was like a combination of like the O five Brickyard four hundred and just the win and. Uh, all that kind of got to a lot of people. So Niners back into the playoffs, 
get the sixth seed. They get to play the Cowgirls. That's a rivalry that was there for many years, and the Cowboys were on the better end of it more times than not. Um, my hope is there will be different options or different people there. You know, I see, yeah, Green Bay, Tennessee, both number one seeds, both beat the Niners close, last second drive for Green Bay. Uh, and then the game against the – what am I forgetting? The the game against Tennessee was a cluster because they had a 10 nothing lead, blew that, turnovers and all, turned that around. And then they lost that, and they were in a position where they could have missed the playoffs if they hadn't beaten the Rams. Now the Rams and Arizona Cardinals will be on the Manning cast, which is interesting, in the final Monday night game of this year. Um, Josh, I'm going to let you go, and you can give us some of your thoughts on the playoff matchups and some of the things we should look at before I kind of go and do my thing on that too. Yeah, for you know the first Games on Saturday, you've got Las Vegas at Cincinnati, and then you got New England at Buffalo. I mean, the first one, Las Vegas at Cincinnati, this is a really interesting one. There's not really a, it's not straightforward totally, because there have been times this year where Cincinnati uh, wasn't that great. Um, I mean, they even struggled against Jacksonville uh, Thursday night football back in week four, um, you know, the infamous Urban Meyer uh, incident game and, or prior to that actually, but Cincinnati, uh, show early in the first half in that game and then in winning last second field goal, but in this game or you know, matchup, you know, you've got Cincinnati, um, had a big win a couple weeks ago against, um, against the Kansas city chiefs, Las Vegas scores, big win at home against the chargers to get, get into the playoffs. They need to get in. All you do is tie and then let it go down in the final minute or the final second to tie or break the tie and win the game. So that's an interesting matchup there. But um, the Raiders have a good running game, I think. Derek Carr um, doesn't get enough credit for what he's done this year, weathering the storm, weathering coaching changes and all that. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, great quarterback in his second year, showing what he did at LSU uh, to win that national title back in 2019, 2020 college football season. Got his college teammate, Jamar Chase. You got T. Higgins. Uh, you got Joe Mixon. So it's a interesting matchup there. Um, and this one could either go, you know, could go either way. So we're going to see, you know, what happens and everything. Um, I have a feeling that Cincinnati does not win the playoff game. Um because and I'm going to go in the storylines here, uh, the conspirational aspects of it. Uh, I got a feeling that Las Vegas is going to get some calls that go it, its way. Uh, they're going to go sentimental. The officials, especially passing of John Madden, overcoming John Gruden, uh, and we could see some things going their way. I mean, it's kind of weird. And I'm only basing this off of the last game in the regular season against the Chargers. Just um, there, I felt like there were some calls in that game that went the Raiders' way that shouldn't have uh, in that game. But uh, the Cincinnati, of course, you know the storyline being they have not won a playoff game since 1990. It will see if uh, Joe Burrow able to go and uh, get that win for them finally. And this is why they drafted him uh, number one uh, in 2020 to be able to to do that. You know, he's already proven he can win a championship at the college level. So he's got experience doing this already. So that's a, a good thing. So we'll have to see what happens. Of course, New England, Buffalo, uh, New England, 
uh, strong team this year. Uh, a lot of people thought early on they wouldn't make the playoffs. And then there's also the storylines. They're gonna are they gonna go all the way to the Super Bowl and face Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl? We'll have to see it ha- and if that happens or not. But you know, Buffalo's been pretty good. But the problem with Buffalo, and they also lost to the Jaguars as well. So you got a couple of Jacksonville storylines here. But uh Buffalo, um, they they don't run the ball a lot, and that's a problem, especially in the playoffs, especially in the cold. It's gonna be a night game, it's gonna be cold. Um, they don't really run the ball a lot, they pass a lot. And uh, New England is able to kind of take away what you, you do best. So uh, on defense, especially, so they're going to give him a lot of looks in the playoffs. Um, we'll see, you know, is Bill Belichick and his defense, they're going to confuse Josh Allen, put him under pressure a lot, take away uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, and then, you know, make them uh, beat, beat them either through there or, or on the ground. And maybe they'll make uh, Buffalo actually run the ball this time because they don't do it often enough. We'll see. And then, of course, got Mac Jones, also another championship winning quarterback uh, from college. Uh, we'll see if he's able to um, actually play in this game and pass the ball because last time, of course, did not pass the ball uh, very much, only passed it three times uh, in that game, um, you know, a month ago in uh, Buffalo. Of course, uh, the wind conditions probably going to be a little bit different here. So we'll see what happens uh, if he's able to pull that victory out. And then Sunday, you got. Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. Um, I think uh, I'm going I'm to roll with uh, Tampa Bay here. Uh, I think, you know, they got a lot to prove. They're getting some guys back from injury. You know, they got Leonard Fournette coming back. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, sure, he's going to want to prove to get another Super Bowl ring. Just add another ring, uh, you know, so he can hold up four fingers with uh, rings on each of those fingers. We'll see if it happens. Philadelphia uh, could be an interesting one. Mobile quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Um, and you got... Uh, uh, Devontae Smith, also teammate from Alabama, playing wide receiver there. That could be an interesting matchup against uh, Tampa Bay's secondary. And San Francisco, your team at Dallas. Uh, we'll see if this is a good matchup. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, does he got the cojones to go all the way in the playoffs this time? Uh, Dak Prescott and Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Tony Pollard, uh, the two running backs there. Um, they haven't, you know, they've kind of been running back by committee, but, um, you know, Zeke's kind of been injured a bit. So that might affect that matchup. And I, you know, I think San Francisco has got a good run defense, um, and everything. And, uh, they been able to stop the run pretty well, uh, throughout the season. Um, so it's going to be up to Dak Prescott to pass the ball around. Uh, they lost Michael Gallup. Um, that's an important matchup there. Still got, uh, Wilson and, uh, CD lamb and, um, still got, uh, into or Amari Cooper, uh, on the, on the sideline to be able to, uh, pass to. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. And this is a classic, you know, rivalry too, because they've had some, uh, big matchups back in the nineties, back in the eighties, you know, the catch, this was the, the two teams that played in the catch, uh, yeah. game back in 1982. So should be a good matchup. Then, you know, Pittsburgh at Kansas city, uh, that's the Sunday night game. Um, that's going to be an interesting matchup. You got the, Full speed Kansas City Chiefs. They ran into some speed bumps this year, but then they got on a good winning streak and were able to secure the number two seed. Pittsburgh, basically, um, you know, they they basically backed their way into the playoffs. I mean, they won, and then they had to uh, get help from Jacksonville to get in. Uh, I did not like that, and, you know, but that's what it is. We'll see if, um, I mean, you know, going back to the storylines, um, how far does Ben Roethlisberger go in the playoffs in his final playoffs? Do they drag the storyline out, uh, you know, past this game? Kansas City, um, Patrick Mahomes, do they stretch the ball, stretch the defense of the uh, Steelers? You know, Steelers always physical defense. 
and really the offense just been holding them back because, you know, it's very limited with Ben Roethlisberger. So we'll see. And Ben's not even that confident in his own team. So we'll see what happens there. And then Monday night game, got Arizona at LA, uh, LA Rams that is, and we'll see, uh, you know, LA, uh, they've got to win in order to be able to play in their own uh, stadium in the Super Bowl. Of course, uh, we'll see if that storyline comes out uh, this time around, like it did last year with the Buccaneers. Uh, Arizona was best team in the league to start the year, and then they fell off after uh, they played the Green Bay Packers, and Kyler Murray got hurt on that final drive uh, to decide the game uh, for that uh, matchup that Green Bay ended up winning. And uh, L.A., uh, Matthew Stafford finally getting back into the playoffs with a new team. Uh, they got a good defense and everything, but you know Matthew Stafford is easy either hot or cold. I feel like, and we'll see which Matthew Stafford we get in this matchup. Uh, so all these matchups should be pretty interesting. Uh, I'm going to pick Arizona in that matchup. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean that's those are all good picks. Great analysis there. Uh, to me, I'll go and give my picks here with Cincy and the Raiders or two quarterbacks that I do like and respect i mean the fact of the matter is if i wasn't a a fan of um of course i'm a trey lance mark so there's that but i'm a fan of josh allen but i'm really a fan of joe burrow the guy's a beast um it kind of is a similar story to what cleveland had when they had bernie kozar cincinnati has their ohio boy who had to leave ohio was at ohio state was never going to be the guy transfer portal to LSU and ends up winning a national title uh, with Jamar Chase and now they're back together again in the NFL and they're doing the same shit um, which is crazy Uh, Cincinnati hasn't won a playoff game since 1991 the so that means like the year not or like 1990 so yeah it's been the 1990 season, so 99 January 91. The Raiders haven't won, I think, they haven't won a playoff game since they lost the Super Bowl. So that was in January, on my birthday in 2003. Yep, my I remember eighth, that game. Yeah, it was a horrible game. That's one of the, I think maybe the first time I ever got drunk, so that was awesome. Um it was on fucking Smirnoff Ices, too, which tells you how bad it was. Uh, but it was with friends from my, we were all, yes, yeah, so we are just, yeah, it's bad. But um, John Gruden, that's the reason why John Gruden um, had relevance for so long before he got canceled by Bruce Allen and the Washington Generals. Um, so that'll be something. There'll be a streak ending for sure uh, tomorrow afternoon and evening. Uh, my thinking is the Bengals will go out there, keep their momentum rolling. Uh, the Raiders are kind of limited on the back end. They're more of a, a front line that with Max Crosby and, and Gakwe. If they can get to Burrow, who really who knows? The running backs are great on both sides. Uh, you know, Waller, if he's at 100%, could be a huge a factor in in regards to trying to make the Bengals have to go and spread their defense out. But, you know, Burrow's a fucking beast. Uh, he won rookie of the year. He's number one overall pick. It makes sense 
for what he is. So then it's a case of going and improving around him. The second game is Buffalo, New England. I'm just going to pick Buffalo because I refuse to pick New England anyway. But in turn, I'm also picking Buffalo because when Josh Allen is good, it's really good. Uh, he was like the number one fantasy quarterback this year. Uh, but when he's bad, it's pretty ugly. Uh, in this sp- in this spot, they've been there last year. They finally won a game. They got all the way to the AFC Championship game. And then the bottom fell out. Well, trying to go and see if Buffalo can actually finish the job. It has a lot of things in regards to similarities to what bowling situation is for me but with some of my teammates and in general so it's an interesting dynamic for buffalo fans and what they're looking for to try to finally get that elusive super bowl new england is belichick going and freezing his ass off and trying to go and win yet another super bowl the buccaneer philly game philly has a chance great run game uh Quarterback situation is kind of whatever, but they're not that great on the passing side. But whenever he throws the ball to Devontae Smith, uh, he's able to make big plays. So I guess if Jalen Hurts can hit one guy, that's really all that matters. But he should be able to go and read a defense and check down or check to the side and take it for another play. And, And they don't have that. So it is a problem, but we will see. Um, I picked the Raiders. I got that in. Um, I'm, wait, did I say Raiders? Yeah. You I said, said, I said, said no, uh, I had the Bengals and then yeah. I said the Bills. So, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm going to have to edit that out. Uh, I have to edit that out. So I'm going to have to go and. Um, look for that later. Um, but in regards to Tampa and Philly, it's an interesting one. Bad weather game in Tampa. It's going to be a lot of rain. Uh, people are going down there, uh, like Colleen, sexy Colleen Wolf. She'll be going down there, professing her fandom for Philly, as she always does. But she'll be covering the game, I think, too. And she's not happy at the fact that it's going to be raining. Um, can that slow down Tom Brady in the passing attack that they have? I mean, akin uh, to their injuries that they've also had too. But Evans will be there. They'll have uh, Brait and a couple other tight ends. They'll have a full complement of receivers, but they won't have Chris Godwin. Philly's the number one rush hit offense in the league. Jalen Hurts is akin to, like, they want him to be Lamar Jackson 2.0 because he can't throw worth a lick, and he throws wildly inaccurately, and but he can hand a ball off, and he can run RPOs. That's what they're doing. They're not reinventing the wheel. They're not doing anything great significance. Tampa's got a great defense when they want to be. Um, it all depends. and But I think uh, Tampa Bay is going to win that game. I would like to see a different result depending on what happens after that game, which is a Niner-Giant game, or Niner-Cowboy game, and um, rivalry, as Josh uh, mentioned, and it's 
you know, first time since the 94 NFC Championship games in 1995. And to be in this spot right now, you'll get Tony, you'll get Nance and Romo calling the game. It's going to be the slime time game with uh, Nate Burleson and that one kid and whoever else uh, to go and fill a booth. That game, I mean, yeah, if Dallas can run the ball, it's going to be tough. But if they can't run the ball, we can limit them. D'Amico Ryans has definitely uh, been a great um, find and hire, albeit he was already there. And there were times this year I was cursing him out the same as I cursed out like Bob Sala, but then in my uh, under my breath. In this case, the Jets' situation is much different now. Or, I mean, the situation is much different now for some of these teams. But we will see in regards to the Niner-Dallas game. I I think it's going to be close. It's going to be a nail-biter. Prescott's good, but closing has been hard. Same thing for Jimmy G. So it will probably come down to something menial on uh, Sunday. The... Um, last game is Kansas City Pittsburgh. Just pick Kansas City. It's Patrick Mahomes. He's a logo. They want him to win. They have the number two seed. That because Ben Roethlisberger's arm's a pea shooter too, so it's virtually impossible for me to believe he's going to actually stretch the field or put them in a spot of bother in that secondary of the weaker secondary with Daniel Sorensen back there. So. Uh, that's something to see if that works or how that works. Um, a Monday night game with the Rams and Cardinals. Niners also Cardinals twice. Niners won against the Rams twice, including the week uh, 18 game to get us into the playoffs. Um, I don't really know. I mean, that's a toss-up in my mind. You know, your two best teams in that division, but in – and you don't have a playoff spot either. So it's something to see what um, if the Rams can respond after what happened last week to them or if the um, if the Cardinals can actually respond after a few poor weeks of, you know, converting, working, etc. cetera. Um, but I'll I'll go I'll actually go with the Rams, and hope that um, yeah everything else goes a certain way to where uh, I would be the next I would be the seed would go and change um, the situation there. So uh, that is it for the um, for the coaches, uh, Josh. Um, I know you have full investment in regards to green, I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let us know um, what you're seeing, what you're looking for, and also what the um, Jaguars ended up uh, doing in regards to their coach and all that, and also the draft situation here coming up in a few months. Yeah, of course, I've invested into the you know, Jaguars coaching situation and everything. And I mean, it looks like, so let's start with this, the, 
the source that I trust, the only source that I trust for the Jaguars is, of course, the uh, guy named E underscore Dilla on Twitter. He's the fan who has an insider and he tweets for fun uh, just because and he's broken news before all the reporters, before Rappaport, before Schefter, all those guys. But um, he has said that the that Brian Byron left, which not Brian. Um, Byron left, which is the early favorite to get the Jaguars coaching job and which, which would be uh, pretty interesting. You know, played there as a QB and comes back or could be coming back to uh, be the coach, but shouldn't be for sentimental reasons should be because, you know, he, he's been in the league for a while. He's been a great leader. Um, he's really smart. Uh, you know, is designed a really good offense for uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots or not Patriots, but for the bucks. So, you know, that's a great um, hire there. If it happens uh, curious, you know, if they end up getting rid of Trent Balky, I mean, I feel like they'd probably end up getting rid of him um, and then, um, uh, you'd have left, which go out and pick somebody else. And like said before, it looks like, um, Khan wants a coach, uh, centric model, meaning that the coach kind of has not necessarily all the power, but you know, the, he's the guy at the head and he wants to, you know, a GM that he can kind of dictate, I guess, you know, or, you know, at least give him the uh, GM, like a list of, uh, you know, players to go out and get to construct the team that he wants, uh, on the field. So that's going to be a interesting matchup. Uh, if uh, they can get somebody like Adrian Wilson, director, director of pro player personnel uh, on the Cardinals right now, of course, had that connection with uh, Lyft, which uh, being coached there and part of the front office. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Don't think Bill O'Brien's going to be the guy. Uh, don't think it's going to happen. So we'll see uh, if uh, who they hire and, you know, hopefully it installs some, uh, you know, energy into the fan base and, you know, people are already saying that they'll cancel their season tickets if Valky's retained. So would like to see him get rid of uh, so that, you know, fans aren't going to uh, divest uh, the team and all that and everything. And, you know, of course, got all the other coaching changes. Um, you know, we saw the Texans fire their coach, you know, fortunately, uh, uh, it was a lame duck coach. And really, um, I mean, he did about as best as you could have in that situation and then they let him go. Uh, so we'll see who, who uh, Houston decides to uh, pick up, uh, there. And then, you know, you've got, uh, who else, uh, the, the bears fired Matt Nagy. Uh, that was probably a given. Um, I mean, a smart coach as far as offensive design, but, I uh, feel like they could have handled things, you know, as, as far as handling players probably could have handled situations a lot better uh, and everything. And then Broncos changing their coach uh, as well. Um, looks like they've interviewed Eric Bienemy. Uh, they've interviewed Nate Hackett. Uh, we'll see if Nate Hackett can hack it somewhere, maybe in Jacksonville, maybe elsewhere. Uh, Dan Quinn, uh, Kellen Moore, uh, Jared, Gerard Mayo, of course, the former linebacker at the uh, New England Patriots back in the day. Uh, and then the Dolphins, of course, letting go of Brian Flores, surprisingly, but now they want somebody else that meshes well with Tua Tagovailoa. And then uh, the Vikings firing their coach, their GM, cleaning house. Giants also finally cleaning house, finally getting rid of Joe Judge. Uh, so a lot of changes in the NFL as you know, year after year, the, the teams that are bad end up firing somebody and uh, hiring somebody else. We'll see if, uh, in fact, uh, they can all get good hires and, you know, teams that can you know, 
rebuild their franchise and possibly complete or compete for the playoffs and everything. So we'll see, hopefully the Jags end up getting uh, the right guy uh, to coach the team and lead the team. Eight coaching uh, openings, which is crazy to think at this point, one fourth of the league is looking for uh, as looking for a head coach. Which um, which is just crazy to think, um, you know you have, um, yeah you have the teams that are just out, Broncos, Dolphins, Jags, Vikings, Raiders, Giants, Bears, and Texans. Those are the teams that, and that's something that we will see. I mean. In regards to, they said that this was going to show. Oh, so there you go. Eight. There's, uh, yeah, it's Houston Texans job. I mean, the dysfunction they have in that organization is insane. Um, they're not a good organization. The only thing I think they really have is probably a couple defensive players. And um, Chris, or um, anything, yeah, you, the, um, yeah, Texans, they just don't have anything, and they're just waiting on other people to come through. The Bears, yeah, the Bears aren't that good either. Um, new Knicks, you know, the old Knicks. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, clear. Then Las Vegas may move on from uh, Derek Carr. But, you know, it's something from the QB or from their coach. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. They're going to move on from their coach. Um, Possibly depending on what happens on this uh, playoff run. Versace has done a good job to get them there. Um, But, you know, it's possible. Uh, Broncos got rid of Vic Fangio, blamed him, even though they didn't uh, draft well. At times, and they don't really have a quarterback. Uh, they have Vikings. Yeah, Vikings is. I think the Vikings are the most ready-made because they have an established quarterback. They have an established running back and a great, you know, wide receiving offense. So if they wanted to go and bring somebody who is a offensive mind, I think it would probably be good for them. Jacksonville, I mean, Josh already went through it. I don't have to go because he knows it. Miami doesn't have a direction, doesn't have a coach, and doesn't really have a GM either. And then, yeah, that's the one picture. You know, the Chicago Bears, of course, with Justin Fields, but not a whole lot else on the offensive side. Montgomery was able to. Uh, make some things happen, but then even he got hurt. The Houston Texans are proof where um, sons of rich people really are douchebags and they don't know what they're doing. And then Nick Casario is also an idiot by firing Cully, you know, not even just after getting off the their whatever plane or boat. But I mean, that's, that's just pretty bad. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, 
in regards to all these coaching vacancies and GM vacancies and see where every person is relative to that. Um, with that, um, I'll let uh, Josh go and do the sim segment um, while I'm adjusting some things here. Yeah, of course, the weekly sim segment and everything we got. iRacing, of course, um, did, well, I mean, I talked about it before, did iRacing at, on um, you know, when the 94 podcast did uh, iRacing last week at Talladega, then did some uh, F1 uh, testing at Watkins Glen. And like I said before, I found out I lack pace and I was driving. I mean, the, the acceleration of the car is great and everything, but the speed of the car is so much. And then once you get to the corner, you know, you really have to, uh, pay attention to the braking zones and everything. And I feel like I missed the braking zones a bunch of times, uh, especially in the boot. That's, uh, where it really counts. Uh, that's probably the most challenging part of the racetrack with an open wheel car. Um, the first turn and then the bus stop, you know, is relatively simple. Um, and then of course it may end up leading to equipment upgrades. <laughs> we'll see because the pedals that I have are like, you know, 10 years old now, and now they've made so many upgrades because these pedals I have, they're part of the Logitech G27, uh, pedal set and steering wheel set. And that's, um, God, it's basically just like a spring, uh, inside and uses a potentiometer resistor to uh, measure the distance that the pedal travels to apply the amount of brake that you want. Whereas now we've got load cell brakes. We've got, uh, you know, brakes that actually simulate the uh, correct forces that you'd feel in a real car. Uh, so uh, it allows you to brake more efficiency or efficiently and you know, use brake pressure to brake the car and stop the car and make it turn uh, rather than distance of how much, uh, input into the controller you give it so could be an upgrade of course have to you know plan for that type of purchase but we'll see what happens uh for that and then uh this week uh they are racing i mean the i racing uh version of the daytona roar before the 24 is on uh this weekend i don't know if i'll participate uh but if i do i mean it should be an interesting one and then at least give a good uh good time to i guess get a feel if i want to do the daytona roar or daytona 24 uh you know, at least, at least this one, you know, you're only doing it for a couple of stints and everything and actually have a chance to go use the restroom in the middle of this race. Cause any 500 Daytona 500 can't really do that and end up having to, um, you know, go really bad once it's over and everything. But, um, um, you know, you got, got all those racings and everything on iRacing and then, um, Gran Turismo seven going to be released soon on PlayStation shall purchase. And they are bringing back Daytona international speedway and they released the trailer for that this week. Looks pretty good. So, uh, we'll see, uh, what, what it feels like in the game and everything. And, uh, looking forward to trying that one out and being able to play it and everything, see it on my TV and be able to, uh, play, uh, Gran Turismo again. It's always been a fun game, you know, back in the day when on PlayStation three didn't buy the last couple of iterations, but you know, it was uh, always been a good game to play on, on the consoles for racing, uh, and gives you, it's a bit, a bit of a different thing than the simulator, like iRacing. It's got a little bit more features to it and, you know, actually upgrade the cars and, uh, make changes to it and, and stuff. And, uh, the graphics are really amazing as well. So, uh, that's all I got right now for the sim racing segment. Yep. And we'll get into it more next week on episode 95, anything that comes up with the Sims side uh, with Josh. And um, 
you know, leading up to the war, as he mentioned, they're going to have some events there, I bet, for um, some sort of ability to go over war and things like that. Um, in regards to where we can find you, Josh, on social media, uh, let us know where we can find you and find your um, chat or, I mean, Discord, whatever thing that you have. Um, <laughs> the Because I'm thinking about Discord because of a friend of mine who was talking about going and doing podcasts on Discord. So I have to look into that. Um, let us know where we can follow you on the socials and elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, of course, and, you know, Discord, uh, well, I, I don't, uh, I mean, uh, that's a private one, but um, no, I mean, you, you can record on Discord and there are voice channels and it's very interactive and stuff. And, you know, if we get big enough, we can create a community on Discord and talk to people there. So that should be an interesting one. But as always, you know, you can uh, follow the streaming stuff always at I, at Twitch TV slash Sailor 2 uh, Y-O-U-S-A-I-L-O-R-2, uh, all lowercase, no spaces in there. Um, and then, of course, uh, Twitter.com at JP Huffine. Uh, see all the things I want to talk about on there, sports, racing, anything else that I'm interested in. Uh, that's where I go to discuss that. And we always go have discussion about the racing, about other things, and probably talk about a lot about the playoffs this weekend on that. So um, looking forward to all that and all the stuff that people are going to say about the games and everything. So it should be a fun weekend. And you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Um, you can find the Grip Strip Podcast on Twitter at Grip Strip Pod, capital G, capital S, capital P. Uh, the Grip Strip Podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, um, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, I usually say it's wherever you can find a podcast, you can find the Grip Strip Podcast. We're basically everywhere. And um, we're 94 episodes in now. Um, we thank you all for listening. Um, I've had a rough week, obviously, but I plan on uh, hopefully, you know, God willing, being better. I thank Josh uh, for coming on. I know he's dealing with stuff and, um, you know, he does, as always, uh, does the gives you the information you need, gives it in clear and concise, goes and picks me up when I need it, too. Uh, which is awesome, which is what, you know, why we're friends and why we, um, you know, we have all the uh, things that come from, uh, you know, not to, this is a positive side of social media versus what um, social media in a lot of ways has uh, become. So it's actually a good uh, thing, um, this show. And I hope that you guys, whoever listens, gets a, um, kick out of this mainly out of my own um, mistakes and drunkenness because I'm zoning out and falling asleep or whatever the hell it may be uh, to Scott and Joey uh, the snakes got you um, uh, want to go and put that in there because we beat the number one team in the Tuesday league um, 
I think that was the first loss they've had in a couple months. And I didn't bowl horrendously. I'm not bowling as well as I was earlier. Kind of plateaued out. But, you know, getting five points off of them probably could have had seven. Um, would have um, been – would be huge. Um, we're kind of sort of back in the race for um, best of the rest in third. Uh, Monday league, I'm not in anymore. Tuesday – or Thursday league, I'm in. Uh, did pretty well. Beat some old ladies who don't even care. Um, they are just sitting there yentering it up and on the phone. And then we took forever because Joey takes an hour and a half to bull – um, every frame, and then um, he got thrown out of the league um, because of a mask thing because the guy who runs the league uh, decided to go and have a rage. Have a The two of them decided to have a rage session with each other. It was kind of hilarious. Um, we'll have more bowling stuff on here uh, next couple of weeks uh, because it's an anniversary of the first time I did bowl. Um, so it uh, will be on, uh, depending on the situation, maybe on my birthday itself here in a couple of weeks' time, the Gripster podcast or whatever it is. We might move it to Thursday. Um, probably will, or I mean, it actually can't be Thursday um, because well, I'm maybe bowling. Monday. Then it'll be just... Monday. Yeah, it'll be a Monday show um, that week, um, and we'll um, preview football and all that but um before that we're here we thank you for listening thank you for following thank you for whatever promoting you're doing um my promotion of course is um meager but we do the best we can we'll have these episodes out by the weekend uh and you get to listen to them get to listen to me fucking up multiple times and zoning out because it's been rough week but you know it happens um thanks to you josh and for you know coming through um clutching it up like trevor lawrence did and baptizing carson wentz and frank reich in a spot where they probably didn't want to have that happen um and hopefully my niners can go out there and um and um beat the cowboys it would be pretty cool uh, but we will see. It'll be a tough game. But I do think the Slime Bowl, because it is a Slime Bowl, uh, will be the highest rated game of the weekend and might be the highest rated game in a long time that isn't a Super Bowl because of the both fan bases that both teams have. It'll be huge. And I'll be definitely consuming and probably be malfunctioning the same way as I did last week, again, this weekend. And hopefully... I'll be talking about it in a positive way and not a negative way, but we will see. You should see too. You should come back for episode 95 of the Grip Trip Podcast. For Josh, I'm Phil. Thank you so much. Take care of one another. Uh, you know, this this thing is not going away. It may never go away, but the fact is you can do the right thing. You can go and take care of your fellow, you know, human uh, do the, just do the right thing. It's not that hard. Um, caring and sharing, caring is sharing, but care, well, and caring about one another is a fundamental part of life. And, you know, as we get to the late great Martin Luther King, uh, day, you know, trying to be good to others, uh, matters 
And no matter what you may feel or what you may think about one uh, somebody else, in the end, we're all in this world for a short time and should want to make the most of it and make the best of it. Not make denigrate or bring people down or trying to go and take things and make it worse um, as our society has basically become. With that, um, take care, God bless, and good night.